I can't name the age for you. I can't put my finger on exactly when I knew that my family wasn't like other families, that my mother was not like other mothers, and that something strange was going on in my home. But we were asked to never speak of it, and I tried my best. I can tell you how old I was when my mother had to get her stomach pumped for the first time. I was 13. I can tell you how old I was when it became clear that my younger brother was my responsibility. I was 14. I can also tell you how old I was when my mother started missing every one of my soccer games. I was 15. I can tell you how old I was when my mother missed my first birthday because she was drunk. I was 16. Sweet 16. I can tell you how old I was when my mother missed my graduation speech when I was a valedictorian. I was 17. I can also tell you how old I was when she died of cirrhosis of the liver. I was 18. Of course, it's not as simple as all of that. It's not nearly so neat or clean. Our home was a toxic blend of chaos and secrets, love given and then withheld over and over, confusingly. It was a place where things said drunk were not remembered by the speaker, but they were burned forever on me. I was her target most of the time, and I was happy to be her target if it meant my brother was spared. I've been to therapists, I've been to family counseling, I've tried to sort it all on my own, and I've been back to therapists. I've explored yoga, meditation, and breath work. I've explored ways to manage anger at a situation that I just didn't understand and and certainly had no control over. I've hiked a thousand times, a million steps. I've cried. Oh, have I cried. I've done all the things an adult child of an alcoholic would do in a relationship. I've done them all. I've done all the things an adult child of an alcoholic does at work. I've been exactly the codependent you expect. I've been exactly the people pleaser you would expect. I've been exactly the workaholic you would expect. On repeat and repeat and repeat. And I broke down from the stress and the burnout too many times to count. And I would start the process again and go back to therapists and go back to counseling and go back to yoga and go back to meditation, work too hard, people please a ton, and burn out again. And the thing is, I came so close to understanding it all so many times. I would read a book or attend a meeting and think, that's me. I do all of those things. I am an adult child of an alcoholic. That's me. But then I'd go back to my life and I would try to muscle my way through it. And I I just never understood entirely what being an adult child of an alcoholic actually meant and the effect that would actually have on my life. So I do it all over and over again for a few more years, never quite feeling at peace, always feeling that there was like something missing, some sort of hole in my heart. I just never felt like I was enough. I knew it was related to my family. I knew it had to do with how I grew up and the environment I grew up in. But I, I just could not quite understand how to fix it. Or really beyond identifying as an adult child of an alcoholic, like what that meant. I didn't know where to begin. 
eventually, over many years, many, I found the right blend of tools that have helped me heal. And that is why I created Change of Air. That is why I want to share these tools with you over time. I want you to have access to the tools that I didn't have access to. And I want you to have them so much sooner than I had access to them. I knew early on that something was not right in my family. But it wasn't until I was an adult and noticed my behavior in work situations, in relationships, that I started to understand my behavior. I would have random bursts of anger while trying to rent a car. I would get frustrated when an order at a restaurant wouldn't be quite right. Like things I don't even associate with myself. I'm not really an angry person. I'm certainly not someone who needs their order to be exactly right or else. I even avoid confrontation, like really at all costs. It's taken me a really long time to engage in healthy confrontation, setting of boundaries, negotiation, particularly in a work setting. It's taken me a really long time. So as someone who does not seek out confrontation, I was shocked that on almost every situation in my life, whether it was a friend's request, a meal prepared, you know, correctly or incorrectly, or a simple act of renting a car, if it wasn't available when they promised it would be, like my reactions to those situations were so out of proportion to the situation at hand. I was acting well beyond like societal norms. I could see the reactions of the people looking at me as I was reacting. I could see on their faces their shock and their surprise. And I could tell in looking at them that I was the problem. I could see in their faces that the way I was behaving made no sense to the situation at hand. I don't know if that sounds like you. I don't know if you have ever done that. But those were the moments all in the span of, I would say, maybe six months, maybe five or six years ago, where I realized, ah, it's me. I have to figure out what's going on with me. It isn't life. It's not that life is hard. It's not like that renting a car is hard. It's not like I need my dinner to be just right. It's me. I'm responding to the smallest slight, so minor, that's not personal, with like outlandish responses. And I had been to therapy. I had been to Al-Anon. I had read all the ACA books. I had read all the adult children of alcoholic books. I had read all the books about grieving too. I mean, my mother died when I was 18. Obviously, there was a lot I had to muddle my way through. I remember getting that call that she had died and somehow like floating through college and never really healing from any of that. I remember having a professor then, a lit professor who said, oh, this will take you 10, 15 years to heal from. Sorry. And I thought she was, didn't know what she was talking about. Unacceptable. Not true. It was absolutely true. But because I never understood any of the children of alcoholic stuff, certainly not before my mom died. And I didn't understand how the early experiences of growing up in that home would show up as anger, would show up as inappropriate reactions and behavior, would show up as people-pleasing at work, would show up as fear of authority at work. I would even be afraid of my own authority at work. Like a whole range of behaviors and patterns started showing up in all the parts of my life. And as adults, we sort of 
don't realize it until we kind of have to make our way in the world on our own. Like, I couldn't quite piece together why. Like, why was I acting angry? What did that mean? Why was I feeling so angry? Why was I screaming at a person who was trying to rent me a van at Enterprise when I had asked for not a van, but it's all they had? It wasn't his fault. But my reaction to the situation was not only out of proportion, it wasn't even who I believed myself to be. And I finally had to kind of stop and say, okay, I've got to figure out what's going on with me. Why am I acting this way? So I went back to the books that all of us know, all the books I had read when I was 13 and 18, and again when I was 25, and again when I was 35. And I just kept returning to the same books that were all told will help us figure this out. Codependent No More, Adult Children of Alcoholics, Perfect Daughters. You know the books. I'd go to Al-Anon meetings. I'd go to ACA meetings, Codependence Anonymous meetings. I attended a lot of these meetings, and I found people who were just like me, people who were experiencing the same things I was experiencing. But I was also simultaneously working in wellness, in the wellness world, and for a job. Like All of my clients were companies that were rooted in yoga and meditation and nutrition. A really different approach to healing than I was hearing in my meetings and in those books. And it just did not square with what I was hearing in the sort of standard, you know, your parents were alcoholics, so you should go to these meetings meetings. I was getting kind of two data sets, the sort of standard recovery 12-step approach in the meetings but spending my days working within wellness, I was also seeing like a completely different perspective on healing and what that should look like, particularly healing from trauma, which as children of alcoholics, we never think that we've been through trauma. We shove it down and pretend trauma is only for people who've gone to war or who've witnessed a horrific event. We don't ever think that we've been through trauma at least not in the past. I feel like things are changing and I'm, I'm so happy about that. But we for so long never assigned the word trauma to us. So we for so long didn't seek trauma help or any of those tools that were sort of reserved for people with PTSD or complex PTSD. We just never associated ourselves with that. So we didn't get the help we needed. We didn't know that those tools were so effective for us or that we might also have PTSD. Even today in certain circles, if I mention PTSD, I mean, even to my family, oh my goodness, how many of you have like living family members who witnessed all the alcoholic behavior and still look at you like you're mad, like you are making it all up. If I mention PTSD to them or in many other circles, I get eye rolls. I've even had people say to me, your parents were just alcoholics. They drank a lot. So what? I can tell you. That growing up in that environment for 18 years, day after day after day, never knowing what I was going to come home to, never knowing what tricks I'd have to play just to get the house to be quiet and calm and conflict-free for just a few hours so I could do my homework or help my brother with his, that is PTSD year over year over year. Extended high levels of stress for that many years is PTSD but we don't think about it that way. As I said, I think we're getting better, but for so long, certainly when I was trying to seek help, these were not words that were associated with people growing up in a home with two alcoholic parents. So I found myself recognizing my behavior was deeply inappropriate in a lot of situations, and I knew it was affecting my relationships, my career, 
it was affecting like how I felt about myself every day. I knew something was wrong, but I also, I felt so much shame for behaving this way. I was so embarrassed that I was behaving like wildly. I did not understand the source of my anger and I was doing the things, right? I was reading the books. I was going to the meetings. I was using all the tools we've been told will work and they weren't working. But thank goodness, I was also steeped in this sort of wellness world and this healing world, and they approached things very differently. So it was essentially like I was getting both Eastern and Western approaches to healing at the same time. And I realized that as I reread all of the books for the umpteenth time, they do have extremely useful tools. And we'll get into this in different episodes of the podcast. We'll really dive deep into all the tools and the different structures and step programs, like the ones that I found extremely helpful, the ones have not been extremely helpful for me, but might be extremely helpful for you. We'll get into all of that. But I realized that if these books, while they have useful tools in these meetings, while they have useful tools, like if they were truly effective in all the years I had been reading them, they would have done their work. I would have been able to understand this and move on. But they did not help me entirely. And I had a lot of shame because of that. I felt like I was doing all the right things and nothing was working. But I did begin to realize that there is, you know, since I was living in this world of reading all the books and all the old school ways of doing things that we're told are supposed to work if we're children of alcoholics, but I was living day to day in this sort of wellness world, I began to quickly realize that there is no current place for us to share our stories with each other of how we've navigated this, both Eastern and Western, not just AA or Al-Anon. There's no place. There's no place for us to hear each other's stories, to share our stories with each other of how we've navigated this so we can actually see each other, so that we can acknowledge each other's courage for getting this far, and so that we can learn from each other about what strategies have worked, what healing tools have worked, what methods have worked. There is currently no ongoing conversation about adult children of alcoholics that allows for not just kind of old school codependent no more Al-Anon approaches, but also allows for a bit of woo-woo, kind of new school way of dealing with things. And I, I wanted to combine the two because the two together have been what has been so helpful for me. I have found yoga and meditation to be vital parts of my healing in the same way that I found those traditional books to be useful, as well as traditional therapy. All of these things have helped me understand what I grew up in and heal. But another vital part of my healing has been, as I said, those kind of older tools, the 13 characteristics of an adult child of an alcoholic, which, oh my goodness, whole whole podcast episode on how deeply upsetting those 13 characteristics were the first time I read them. We have like, we could talk about that for two hours, but revisiting the old tools through the lens of some of my new tools, because I could now through therapy kind of understand the 13 characteristics in a better way because of my meditation and yoga, I could understand some of those older tools in a different way. It has shown me that there is room for something new, like a place where Instead of famous people in wellness coming on the podcast because I was on your podcast and we all have hundreds of thousands of followers, um, I'll be on my podcast and you can be on your, I'll be on yours if you come on mine. Like that, 
that kind of circuit of healing and woo-woo wellness, there is currently no place where regular people like us who have grown up in alcoholic homes can share our stories without it being in the structure of like a 12-step program. And I could spend another entire episode on 12-step programs and how frustrating it was for me to see that Al-Anon had all the same language as AA. And I felt like AA was for my drunk mother. And it deeply upset me that like we didn't get our own special thing. We had to just have what felt like ripped off language for us. Like we didn't matter very much. We'll get into that in a couple episodes. (laughs) But as a therapist said to me long ago, and this is sort of how it all comes together, our secrets make us sick. I think that even comes from AA, even after I just said all that about AA. (laughs) But I believe it very strongly. Our secrets make us sick. We grew up in homes that asked us to pretend that what we were seeing was not happening. We were essentially asked to deny our reality, which meant that we grew up not trusting ourselves and our own judgment and had a hard time making decisions because we were told early on that these awful things you see, don't talk about them. They're not real. And we kind of learned that whether we were explicitly asked or not, it was very clear, certainly in my home, that these were not things to be talked about outside of our home. And we were asked to put on a brave face and go to school and work and soccer practice and theater class and pretend that home was okay. All of my other friends in high school and junior high seemed like they were okay. So I pretended I was okay. I pretended that there were not two raging alcoholics at home and that I was actually terrified to go home and certainly terrified to bring friends home because I I never knew what the hell I was going to find when I got there. Every day was different. I never knew. We've all lived through a version of this. So many of us have experienced this. And I just think that finally bringing our secrets out into the light dragging them out of the closet, dragging them out from under the rug, dragging them out from the depths of who we are and shining a light on them and sharing them with each other. That for me, saying plainly what happened to me out loud with as little shame as possible has been the most effective healing tool for me. All of the other tools we'll cover in this podcast, all of the other tools we'll shine a light on Some may work for you, some you'll want to explore, some after you try them, you will never want to explore again. But one foundational piece of healing for me has been sharing my own story with others and then hearing theirs. Because in doing that, we not only realize we're not alone, but we can see as someone courageously moves through their own stuff, how we might be able to move through ours. I notice when I share with others and they share with me, they show me a window or they open a door Or they sort of blaze a path forward that shows me and you, us, how we might also be able to do the same thing. Even if our stories are not exactly the same, every alcoholic family is different. There's different dynamics. We're not all exactly the same. But in seeing other people's experiences and how they navigated them, we're given like yet more options for how we might navigate our own healing. So welcome. I cannot wait for you to join me on this journey join us, all of us. We're going to be talking to experts, to doctors, both Western and Eastern, but mostly we're going to be talking to each other and sharing our stories, what we've learned, what tools have been most effective in our healing so that we can all heal together and we can finally, finally, finally deal with our secrets so they're no longer hiding 
so they no longer hold power over us, so we no longer need to feel shame. <sighs> so we can finally be open and honest and say, this is what I have experienced. This is what has helped me. This is why I'm here. I hope this helps you. And so that's Change of Air. And so that's what this podcast will be. And I just thank you so much for joining me. I can't wait for you to listen to future episodes. I can't wait for you to be on future episodes. Thank you.